we are here tonight for Bible study. Amen. We're here tonight uh, to open up God's Word. Amen. Uh, we've been we've been in this series rooted, and um, we're moving into the next lesson. We've talked about church membership and why membership matters. Uh, if I have not convinced you yet why you need to be part of the church, uh, if, if you're not convi convinced, if you're not um, convicted, or if you're not concerned about being part of the church, those watching online, thank you, those that are here, uh, then, then, you know, maybe you just have some maturing to, to go through, amen, especially if you're a believer. But I want to talk about tonight something that I believe is critical uh, to being a member of the church. I've been saying this lately. I don't know if you've heard me say this, that not everybody can come to church. Thank you, ushers. Not everybody can come to the church. Amen? Not everybody can come and sit in church. Not everybody can come and listen to a message. Not everybody can come and experience a worship experience. Like, why is that? It's Bible study, so we can talk a little bit. Why is that? Hmm? What'd you say, Sister Lee? All right, they're not saved. All right. They're not ready to believe, all right? Heart's not right. I just want to make sure I'm heading in the right direction. But I want to know what you think so I can know what I need to teach. Some think they're unworthy, all right? I preached a sermon Sunday about developing the courage to come back to God. They should listen to that message. They don't want to be exposed. All right. If people believe that they can do it at home, right? All right. By themselves. <laughs> Some people just don't want to come, right? Just shoot. They're like, man, please. I ain't what what the what? They don't understand. They don't have spiritual understanding, right? Most of the times, let me say this, do you know statistics have said that most Christians, that most young Christians that leave for college, by the time they're done with college, they're done with church and God. And the percentage is very, very high. I don't know what the percentage is, but I didn't want to quote some, you know, incorrectly. But the percentage is high. By the time your child leave off for college, if they're not rooted, oh, come on, somebody. If they're not rooted, then they will be tooted. They will be taken out. <laughs> Amen. They will be taken out. Um, Harvard University um, <laughs> has a study. There's a lot of things that's being mixed with the gospel today. Social justice reforms. Um, 
there is this critical race theory, if you haven't been following it, which I'm getting ready to teach in seminary. It's kind of like a Harvard University thought that came out from the 70s, and now it's relevant today, and it's, it's crept into the church, and you have some churches falling on the side of, of, of that particular thought pattern. In other words, they're leaving the word of God. Tonight, I want to begin talking about true and false conversion. That's what I want to talk about. I want to start talking about conversion. It's a tough subject, but it's a subject that's relevant to what I see happening today. You've heard this before. People say, I gave my life to Jesus when I was a child. Then I became involved in drugs. You know, I went out there in the world. I lived the life. And then when I was 40, I gave my life back to Jesus. Um, I want to quote something for you. James Kennedy said, he's an evangelical uh, apologist, he says that the vast majority of people who are members of the church today are not Christians. Amen. Vast majority of people in church today are not Christians. They have never really believed. See, in order for you to believe, a man cannot repent if he does not know what sin is. Let me say it one more time. Man or woman cannot repent if they don't know what sin is. What points us to knowing what sin is, is the law, which is the word of God. The word of God to the unbeliever, it's like you driving down the street, right? This young man in the town, he kept riding down the street, speeding, doing 120 miles an hour. There was no law against speeding. So all of a sudden, there was a, you know, they passed a law in the city, 60 miles an hour. He's driving now. He's doing 100 buck 20, got pulled over. He got a fine for $8,000. He got thrown in jail. Couldn't pay the fine, right? Until the law came into place, he was unaware that he was breaking the law. Come on. But when they put the law in place and he broke the law, he was found what? Guilty. Well, he went to jail and his dad came in and said, you know what, son? I sold everything I have and I'm going to pay your and I'm going to let you, and you're going to go free. Well, dad paid the fine. He got out. What do you think the relationship to the, to the, from the now is between the father and the son? Stronger, right? Why? Because he appreciates. Come on, y'all. Y'all ain't catching where I'm going with this. He appreciates what the father has done, right? And he has what? Gratitude. He, he knew that he, he could not pay the fine. He would have stayed in jail for at least a year or two. 
But because the father paid the price, paid the fine, come on, y'all, he is now indebted to the father. And a lot of us, God has paid the price. But I'm wondering if you have forgotten the price that was paid, the penalty that you and I were under. Amen. You see, you see the picture? And, and so what happens to a lot of people is that they come to church, they go through a religious experience, but they're never saved. Or... They're saved, but they're not converted. Open your Bibles. Matthew chapter 18. The Lord gave me this this morning uh, in, in, my, in my prayer times. And um, I want you to look at something for me. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. Look what it says. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus. Now, look what they were concerned about. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to pay attention because I'm going to give you a good definition. So I hope you have your pens and your papers and your notebooks because you need to know what conversion is. Some of you are saved, not here, maybe those somewhere else, but they're not converted. And I want to show you the picture of conversion. Look what he says. And he called a child to himself. Notice, he called the who? To himself. And set him before them. And look what he said. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are what? Unless you are converted. Now, this is what he did. Come here, Jay. <laughs> My example. Stand right here. See this little child? Well, no, I'm sorry. He ain't no child. So. <laughs> All right. Unless what? Read the scripture. Unless what? And become like what? Now, I know all of you are grown, but he says, unless you become like a child. Now, do you pay bills? Okay. Do you worry about bills? <laughs> uh, do you provide a roof over your head? Okay. Do you have to? Do you follow instructions sometimes? Thank you. Give Jay's a hand, all right? He said, unless you become like a child. So what conversion is, it's becoming something else. You can't be the same person and say that you're saved. He says, unless you become like a child. Humility. Dependence, um, you know, being trained, being, 
be, you know, you understand? A child is not worried about a whole lot of things other than just playing and having fun. Jesus said, look what he said. He says, unless you are converted, notice the question, who's the greatest? And I believe what James Kennedy said, the vast majority of people who are members of churches in America today are not Christians. God has ownership, but no occupancy. You hear what it He has ownership. He owns us, but he doesn't occupy our lives. To convert is to change from one character, one type, or purpose to another. So as a believer, as, as, a, as a grown person, Jesus said, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's scary, isn't it? When I say scary, what I mean is this, like, okay, am I really saved? Am I, I know I'm saved, but am I converted? The disciples were walking with Jesus, and he, they want to know who's going to be the greatest. Jesus said, you, gotta be, you, you have to change from one character, one type, to another. For instance, our body converts food into energy, correct? We can convert inches into centimeters, pounds into kilograms, dollars into euros. Our hearts has to undergo the similar conversion. So here's the thing. If you're the same person, then that means you have not been converted yet. And the question is why? If you've heard the gospel. Here's, here's what conversion it involves. Ready? It is turning your back to the system of the world and it's anti-God values. It's turning your back on the world. It, it involves a, a complete about face. In order to enter through the narrow great gate that leads to life. Conversion, conversion involves the idea, listen to this, of changing direction. People tell me they're saved, but they're going in the same direction. People tell me they're saved, but they don't have a change of character. They're, they're the same people. Well, let me finish this. Let me finish this. He says, whosoever then humbles himself as this child, he is what? The, no, see the change? He changes from what? What he was to what? A child. He's talking about character. He don't want you to now hold on now. He don't want you walking around here acting like a child now, acting juvenile. No, 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 no. He's not talking about being juvenile. Like he's talking about your attitude being humble, a different character. Man, when I was put, I said, "Man, I am. I, I, I'm not the man I used to be. I know the man I was." But true spiritual conversion radically. Watch this alters your direction in life. It's about direction. Some of us are here as in a church, as a church, you have a church membership, but you haven't changed directions. Jesus says, 
whosoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whosoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So in other words, he's saying we ought to have a childlike attitude, but we got to be careful that what we do does not cause somebody else to stumble. That's why we got to be careful with the once saved, always saved, we on the grace stuff. And then you on Facebook, smoke, Facebook smoking blunts and hanging out at the hookah bar and all that kind of stuff. There are people doing that kind of stuff, and, and they call themselves pastors. I see pastors on Instagram doing stuff like that, and I'm wondering, I wonder what the membership is like. Now, listen, we're not perfect, but whatever you do, do it behind closed doors. But at some point, you got to change direction. There are a lot of people who have not yet changed direction. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians 5.17 for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Somebody read that for me if you get it. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is going to be a great, a great, a great study, y'all. Conversion. True or false conversion? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says what? Well, therefore, huh? What? Oh, mm-hmm. Go to 13, though. If we're beside ourselves, it is for who? He says, so if you see me acting a fool, it's for God. If we are sound mind, it's for who? For you. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. That they who live should no longer live for who? Oh. Okay. My family. My job. Just because you're living for God doesn't mean you have to be super spiritual where you can't enjoy earthly things. But if you're, if you're living for you, then I ask, you, I ask this question, are you really converted? He says he died for you so that you would live so that he said you no longer live for themselves, but for who? Let me ask you a question. Who are you living for? Who are we really living for? The true convert doesn't live for self. And I asked the question, like, do you really understand what I'm saying? You know, this is the Bible. Like, I'm looking at the Bible, the Word of God. The Word of God says I ought not to live for myself. Let's go to the next verse, verse 16. What does it say? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We, we no longer know him in that way. And so verse 17 now, because you have a new relationship now, he says, therefore, if anyone is what? He is a, 
The, the reason we can change directions is because we're no longer lost. He says, therefore, because we're not living for ourselves, but we're living for him. I've asked a question like, you know, I understand commitment and I understand all that kind of stuff, but I believe that truly converted people don't live for themselves. It's not about them. It's really not about them. I, I realize that this just happened to me. Like, seriously, like I am truly grateful that God paid my fine because I had a life sentence. Seriously. And, and when I was sitting in that jailhouse, rotten, amen, and, and dying and forgotten, he paid my fine. Come on, y'all. And, and I want to tell you something. You know, there are things that people have done for me that I'm grateful for. You know, I still remember them. I still remember them. I do. I still remember them. And I try my best to every now and then try to repay them. But see, the thing about it is you don't forget something like when you were lost. You just don't forget that. And the father is saying to us, have you changed? Have you changed? direction? Have you changed purpose in life? Are you living for you? Or are you living for me? But watch this. Conversion involves turning away from dead religion and self-righteousness. All right? Watch this. Watch what he says. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. I want you all to memorize that scripture for next week. We're going back to it's fall time. We get let's let's get that in our memory real quick. I want y'all, I want you to write that down for second Corinthians 5 17. Maybe I'll give you all a cookie or something next week if y'all get it right. Amen. <laughs> you know, I'm bringing a baked cookie or something for y'all. Something no, that's something healthy. Maybe I'll bring a salad or something. Watch it. He said, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, what? new things have come, right? So in other words, we are changed. We are transformed. That's your memory scripture for next week. I want you to memorize that scripture. I want you to remember that scripture. I want that scripture to be part of you that, listen, if anyone, I am a new creature in Christ. Romans 6. Can't do the whole of Romans 6, but because I got to get on down. Uh Conversion involves the idea of changing direction. It is a practical change. Listen to this. Where one is able not straddle the fence between two worlds. You want me to say it again? where one is not straddling the fence between two worlds. True conversion. It's not a partial change. Where one minute you're doing good, and then next minute you back this way. See? Yeah, I knew this would be good. Romans chapter 6. Trust me, I was shouting when I was putting it together today. I said, shoot, this is some good stuff right here. You know, sometimes the words, I'd be like, whoa, look at that. 
6. Uh, let's look at verse. Man, this thing is this thing. This whole thing is rich. Um, but just read verse one. Mm. All right, so let me just say this to you, okay? The person that's straddling the fence between two worlds, they're, they're confused because they're not being taken out, right? They're still hanging in there. And to the outside world, it's looking like, man, they're doing pretty good. But they ain't set foot in a church in years. See? What, what they really are under is what I call super grace. As a matter of fact, they get more grace than you and I. God has to put in his super grace because, you know, just like the children of Israel when they were out in the, in the, in the wilderness and they disobeyed God, right? And, and God said, I'm going I'm to kill them. I'm going to kill all of them. And Moses interceded for them. Moses, who was a type of Christ, comes in and said, listen, God, if you take them out, the world is watching. Guess what? They're going to say that you brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness to, to, to kill them. Right? That's not going to look good on you. Not that God didn't know that, but God wanted to see if there was a intercessor among them. You with me? And a lot of times God has not allowed what he really wants to allow in our lives because somebody is praying for you. Come on now. Somebody is praying for that one. You follow me? Watch this. You can straddle the fence for years, y'all. Decades. Of, and how many, how many straddle the fence for a long time? I didn't get to straddle the fence. When God saved me, he saved me. But I had done everything. <laughs> so I didn't have to straddle. I'm, I'm too afraid to straddle. You know what I'm saying? I'm too afraid to straddle. Some of you don't want to tell on yourself. But here's the thing. Here's where I'm going with this, right? What was I going? Oh, yeah. Super grace. So what God does now is like you carry the blood stain of Jesus on you as a believer. So now God's like, if I take him out, what's it going to look like? This is how God treats his children. Now, I'm just illustrating this, okay? All right? So I'm trying to make it practical for you to walk home with it. But look at verse 6. He said, what shall we do? Now, we continue in sin so that grace may what? Why would grace increase? Because we're living in sin. See, see what he's saying? He says, let me read it again. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? What did Paul say? Paul said, that ain't the way to get grace. He says, may it never what? Be. How shall we, watch this now, who died to sin, Now, let me say this. You're not perfect, y'all. We're going to sin. Listen, he ain't talking about these little everyday things. There's no, there's no little sin, big sin, blue sin, gray sin, you know, different colors of sin. Sin is sin, okay? But here's the thing. What he's saying is that how is it that you can continue living 
straddling the fence between two worlds for so long and still carry the blood stain of Jesus on your body saying you're saved and then you wait till you're 40 years old to come back to Jesus. Or when you're broke down or something like that. Is this making sense? Look what he says. He says, you know, how, how can you do that? Verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the, the, through the glory of the Father, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the what? In the what? In the newness of life. Listen, can I, can I explain something about this newness of life? The newness never wears off. You should still have a new car smell about your faith. Fresh. Remember when you got that car? Some of us. And it just smells so, it was brand new. And, and it smells so good, right? You wish you could captivate that thing, right? He says the newness of life. I don't understand how believers look like they've been worn out. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He says, in the what? In the what? Newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Know this, that our old self was what? What did he say? Our old self. Conversion is not a gradual change that occurs over a period of time like sanctification. It happens right away. Changing direction. Genuine conversion occurs much deeper within the soul of the person. If I've been crucified with him, and if my sins have been paid for in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. In other words, he cut the shackles. We were enslaved to sin. For he who has died is sin. Now watch this. He said the reason why he asked the question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? If you've been freed from sin and you are still living in sin, why? That's what he's asking. Why? What, what's the deal? What's the dealio? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, why, why are you living like this? Maybe you're not converted. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead is, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he, Christ, lives to God. Even so, 
consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me say this. True conversion is not a superficial turning or a mere rearranging stuff in your life to be Christian. I bought a cross. I got a new, brand new Bible. <laughs> it is a decisive break. Watch this. With the old patterns of the world and embracing the new life in Christ. Think about that for a minute. It is not partial change. It is not straddling the fence between two worlds. He says that God is, Jesus Christ has given us everything to live in the newness of life. He's broken the curse of sin. He has freed us from sin. We are alive to God now. I'm so grateful. Well, verse 12 says, do not let sin do what? Huh? You know, I was thinking about preaching Sunday. What's causing you to stumble? thinking about that. And oftentimes what we think is causing us to stumble is not what's really causing us. It's us. I'm the, I'm the problem. My stumbling comes from me. But guess what? I blame everybody else. Blame everybody else for my stumbling. I, I can blame everybody else for my stumbling, but it's me. But can I ask you a question? Have you, are you alive to God? In Christ Jesus? How long will you be on baby milk? How long will you not eat meat? The meat of the word. He says like newborn babes long for the what? Pure milk of the world so that by it you may grow in respects to your salvation. Here's what I believe. I believe that for most of us the reason we're not seeing a change is because number one, we're not converted, but number two, we're not maturing. See? We have seasons where we're on and seasons where we're off. But can I ask you a question in this moment, right now, today, tonight? Could you be real honest with yourself? Did you have a true conversion? Is your change stagnated? See, repentance has to do with turning to God. That's repentance. From darkness to light. From Satan to God. That's, that's what repentance is. The fundamental idea, though, of repentance is a change in thinking. I'm going to say it one more time. It's the changing in the way we what? Think in reference to God and life. Justification 
is what we're reading here, that God has declared that you and I are accepted as children of God, forgiven of all of our sins. That's justification. Amen? Watch this. Therefore, he said, don't let sin reign in your body, in your mortal body, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as what? Instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourself to who? To God as alive from the what? From the dead. And your members, you know what he means by members, right? What, what does he mean by members? Your hands, your limbs, your whole body. He says, stop laying around. He said, look what he said. He said, as instruments of, but he says, present your body, your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In other words, let God use all of you. You understand what I'm saying? Look what he says next. For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under what? Grace. You know, you know what it means to be under grace? Man, being under grace is one of the most beautiful things in this life. Being under grace means that you never really get what you deserve. But there's an ability for us as humans to take advantage of grace. But the truly converted are grateful for grace. Because they don't look at it as a way of escape. They look at it as, man, I should have got that, but I didn't. So now I'm grateful. Do I have anybody? Let, let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. Let, let, let's read on. He said, what shall we say? What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? May never be. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slave of the one whom you obey? Either of sin resulting in what? Do you, you know sin leads to death, right? All right, now let me let me let me illustrate this to you. All right. Now somebody said, hey, nothing wrong with smoking. You keep smoking if you want. Ain't nothing wrong with drinking. I'm under grace. I can drink in moderation. Fine. I can smoke weed because it's legal. But if you keep smoking, eventually you're gonna get lung cancer. The sin is the indulgence, the overindulgence. And then the penalty is what? Death. Right? You commit adultery. You say, oh, well, you know, I messed up. Oh, you sin. But here's what you just did. You just killed your what? Your marriage. You destroyed the kids. You destroyed the future. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever we indulge in as far as sin, eventually, listen, sin doesn't always, it, it's not going to feel bad going down. You understand what I'm saying? You, you may not know that this person had a STD. You're like, it just looked good. Uh oh, we got kids. You understand what I'm saying? The results is what? Sin, death. So what Paul is illustrating, because in chapter 7, you know what he says in chapter 7? 
chapter 7, this is what he said. He said, man, I messed up. He tells us all this stuff in 6, right? I, I just got a fast forward thing, right? He, he tells us all this in chapter 6 about, man, you shouldn't sin, you know, grace. But then in chapter 7, he says this. He says, man, when I want to do right. He says, that it, evil is always present. And let me tell you something, I always fall short. And then he goes in chapter 8 and he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm not just being the sin police tonight. I'm just trying to help you to understand that if you've been truly converted, then you're going to appreciate the fact that, listen, you don't have to keep living in sin. You don't have to keep straddling between the wor two worlds. How long are you going to keep doing that until you're converted? You're either going to live for God or you're going to live for the devil. Listen, it's two different two, two choices. Listen. Spiritual conversion is profound. It involves many changes in a person. All right? Write this down. It involves the change of the mind. That is your intellect. It involves a change of your views. A new recognition of God self, sin, and Christ. In other words, you get to know them better. It's, it's a new view. You, you, your view has changed of them. It involves a change of affection. Let me say it one more time. It's a change of mind. It's a change of view. It's a change of what? Affections. Which is that emotional change. You know, affections has to do with your emotional change. In other words, it's you, it changes the way you feel. Amen. It, it also involves a change of will, which that means a volitional change. You know what volition means? Choices. So people say, oh, I'm saved. Yeah, but you didn't choose church. You chose something else today. You didn't choose to pray today. No, you didn't do that. You chose to go off. See? It's a volitional change. Watch this. It's an intentional turning away from sin and turning to God through Christ. And it's because you've been crucified with him and it's because you are freed from sin and you're under grace that the entire person, the mind, the affection, the will, is radically and completely and fully changed in conversion. In the coming weeks, we'll go over all the aspects of conversion. And whereas I was going to go over some more scriptures, I'll stop right here. Amen. Because I think I've said enough today. True conversion it is a decisive break with the old patterns of sin in the world. And you are embracing new life. Your new life in Christ. Some of you, I'm seeing your conversion. I remember when you came. And some of us, you know what's keeping us? Our service in the kingdom. 
If we didn't have nothing to do in church, we wouldn't be in church. We would go to work. Come on now. We'll go to work. We'll come home. We'll come to Bible study. We'll go back home. Some people are like that now. They're not committed. And I can't say they're not converted, but when you're converted, you show up. Because you realize, you know, yesterday I was watching TV. It's like I watched everything. Seriously, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like nothing to watch. Like, sometimes God does that to me. Like, I try to go find something, and nothing. Everything I went to, I'm like, man. And then I got it. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, I got it. I got it, Lord. I got it. Too much. Overkill. You got to know when to shut it off. You got to know when it's time to get some face time. If we take as much time as we spend with the television as we do with God. Now, I'm not knocking nobody. Do your thing. Binge watch. Do whatever you need to do. But how much time do you spend in that Bible? Let me ask you, do you open it up after you leave church? Do you crack it open? Do you, do you, do you glean from it? What's there? Truly converted people are not living two different lives. We have our struggles. I believe I'm converted. I got my struggles. But I'm committed. Not just because I was a pastor. I was committed way before I was a pastor. That's why God has entrusted me with what he has entrusted me with. This is a loan from God. The ability to stand here and teach you is a privilege. It's an honor. It's a, it's a privilege because guess what? You don't have to listen. <laughs> God, you know, God didn't have to do this. But here's the thing, what I'm saying to you. Ask yourself a question. Who are you spending more time with? Truly converted people, they're breaking away from that old system. Character is changing. Purpose is changing. Go, go with that one scripture for me. Back to that Matthew 18. Let me just show you one thing. Give you one last shot in all. Go back to verse 3 for me. I want you to get it one more time. And he said what? Truly I say to you, unless you are what? And become like what? I want you to let that be your meditation. Now, here's the thing now. I, I want you to ask the Lord, let me be a child. I don't want you to come around here acting like a child. Pull that bell out. <laughs> Sometimes I got to do that. But listen, Lord, let me be, give me that childlike faith. Notice, he says, unless you become, become, in other, it, it's involving what? It involves a change. I don't want to walk around high and mighty with my head up in the, in the air and all that stuff. I want to be a child. I want to. I, I want to be converted to that. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be prideful. I don't, I don't want to fight. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to trip. I want to be, I want to, I want to be converted. 
How many want to be converted? Like really, Lord, I want to, I'm saved, but I want to be converted, Lord. Give me childlike faith. That's what the problem is in church today. A lot of people who think they're saved, as we go through this study, I'll show you. I'll show you the scriptures. But some people may believe they're saved, but unless you are committed, but you got to first be converted to be committed. And so that's the question tonight, you know, on the tape. If you are, if you back up to verse chapter 18 and, and verse um, uh, verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 20, he says, nothing will be impossible for you. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? But you got to have, you know, you got to have childlike faith. Man, ain't nothing like a child praying. You know, what, you know what I love about children praying? They ain't got no motives. You know, they may ask for stuff, you know, crazy stuff. But if you teach them how to pray, I bet you that prayer get up there. Parents, teach your kids how to pray. Teach them how to pray when they're young. Teach them how to pray for themselves. Teach them how to pray for others. Teach them how to pray for their church, their pastor. Teach them how to pray, amen, for their family. Teach them how to pray for things that they need from God. Teach them to pray. Because nothing will be impossible because they have that childlike faith. But do we have it? Don't let the world program your children. The world is, you know, television is doing all the babysitting and the video games and things like that. But I want to say this to you. Teach them how to read scripture. Teach them the word of God. But live a life before them. Amen? Amen. If there's anyone tonight, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for the word tonight. Um, if you if you need prayer tonight, um, we want to pray for you tonight. Um, if if you're saved, but you, Pastor, I want to be converted. <laughs> I want to change the direction of my life. Remember, remember the illustration. The law points you points out what you what you've done. But if any man be in Christ. You are a new creature. Listen, don't wait till things get bad in life just to come up and pray. Come on now.